0: Worship. Last week we talked about the who, what, where, when, and why of worship. And for those of you that were here, uh, we thank you, and uh, for that you came back, and that's that's good, right? And I really hope and pray that you will uh, desire to grow in your worship uh, as we continue to talk through some of these things uh, that, that God's word makes very clear in the in the subject of worship. When we talked about the who and the why, they kind of were connected. And the fact that who do we worship? We worship God. And why do we worship Him is because He is the Creator. He's created us, and He's worthy. The what of worship, we said worship is worth something that you would uh, give to someone that is worth something. We talked the, when we talk about worship, it deals with the worthiness of, of something, paying honor to God, or respect, or a reverence. We talked about the distinction of the Old Testament, how there was more of a distance between uh, the worshipers and God, uh, bowing, a lowering of your body. In the Hebrew, it uh, uh, was a distance, but in the New Testament, it was more intimate, like we talked about as we were praising and worshiping this morning, to crouch close, even to kiss, like a dog would kiss your hand. And, uh, and so there was distinctions there. As we discuss worship, it's a subject that affects each and every one of us, whether we understand it or we don't. And my heart is that as we uh, get our arms around this idea of worship, that it would challenge us right where we are to grow. No matter if you are a seasoned believer, been in church all your life and love the Lord, you can grow or you're a brand new Christian and just growing in your faith that you would grow and everywhere in between. And today we're going to look a little closer at the where and the when. And as we look at the where and the when, we'll see that worship deals with our lives, the way that we live, the way we act, the way we talk. Worship deals with the places we go, the things that we allow our eyes to see, the things that we hear. It goes beyond the walls of the temple or of the church building here. And worship, it's where we are. And we're going to talk about worship as a lifestyle. And I know that you've, uh, you've, if you've been in the church, you've probably heard that as a phrase, uh, worship as a lifestyle. And I, my heart is is that we would be open to new revelation, what God would be speaking. And even as I would speak, that, that uh, it would be God speaking right into your hearts this morning. I believe that God wants to do that. Last week as we ended, we talked about, I challenge you to consider throughout the week and to notice distractions that would keep you from honoring God with your life. Distractions or barriers or threats that would threaten us in our worship. And you know, as I went through the week and was trying to be mindful of that, um, I I gotta be honest, there's a few times that I totally forgot and later I had to kind of remember. But there were times that I thought, man this at this moment is a distraction from my worshiping god and i just i listed a couple and uh and and you may be able to relate or you may your mind may go to other threats or barriers or distractions that that caused you this week to that your life wasn't completely you know honoring god in those moments for me one of them i've got this rule and 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 for me personally is with the tv <laughs> all right and, uh, and I've kind of created a rule for me to kind of keep my mind on straight, and I can just sit there and flip, 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 and uh, all night long. And uh, early this week, after a great weekend, uh, I think it was uh, Monday or Tuesday, it must have been Tuesday night, uh, I was sitting, and uh, Jessica uh, was upstairs, and I flip on the TV, and I'm, I'm sitting there and watching and flipping, and we only got like three channels, and so it's not like it's a whole lot. And uh, and I'm thinking, man, I could be you know, resting in the Lord. I could be doing this. And, and that's one of the areas. One, another area I, I caught myself this week is uh, in the area of the internet, uh, giving extra time, surfing the net, looking. I like to look at cars and trucks and things like that. And I'm thinking, you know, this can be a distraction for me. Another time in the week, I was uh, doing some finances and uh, my mind started to wander, and and uh, just you know, concern. We've we've got a couple bills that are that are that we are paying, and then also uh, our health insurance. It just gave us a notice of 28 and percent, or something like that, increase in our premium. And, uh, and I spent a considerable time this week worrying about that. And, uh, and then just in the area of sleep. Um, how many know it's good to rest and good to be well rested. And when we don't rest well, it's easy to, to allow Satan to kind of get in and kind of mess with our minds, or at least for me. And, uh, and so sleep. And, and I, I am an early I like to go to bed early. And because I like to get up early uh, most of the time. And uh, I found myself a couple days this week staying up later, especially the one night I was watching TV, and uh, it's like, man, how, how can I do this? And if I'm not careful, I know that I can become my own worst enemy when it comes to worship. And I don't know if you can relate, if there's things in your life that are distractions, that, it will, that where your priority uh, at moments is not to honor God or to, to, uh, to keep God at the forefront. And uh, I know I certainly have those times. And then one, one last thing I, I just jotted down here. Um, you know, our lives are supposed to be honoring God, that we are here for God. And, uh, and how many ever struggle to, uh, in giving God the credit in circumstances when God moves or God is working? And uh, sometimes it's easy to say, oh, yeah, um, oh, that was great how that, all that came together. And, uh, and whether we're honoring ourselves, saying, boy, we made the connection, or just even saying, boy, we're lucky, boy, I, I believe we can take opportunities if we're mindful to remind ourselves that, you know, God is good, and he's the one that is orchestrating all these things. And so there's distractions, and just so you want to, just so you know, uh, I stand before you as we talk about worship and worshiping together in this series. Um, I do not have worship figured out. I just want to want to make sure that you understand that. Um, not a chance. Not even close. And I've been growing in these last couple weeks and been challenged. And uh, and I've just been excited about what God has been speaking to me, and especially today in this a- area of a lifestyle of worship. It is a challenging, challenging thought. And uh, and so. Uh, I, want, I want your hearts to be open. Next week, we're going to talk about the sacrifice of worship. And we're going to uh, take communion, and, uh, it, and I'm excited about that. Did some pre-study for that this week as well. But what things distract you? What kind of things in your life, what kind of potential things uh, can kind of creep up in your life, things that, that would keep you uh, from worshiping God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? Maybe it's the nice weather when the sun's out, it, it, there's no time for God. <laughs> or maybe it's your image and uh, trying to look good and to act good and, and uh, to kind of create this image and you, you end up losing touch to honor God. How, how many times can our, our jobs distract us from giving God all the glory and the honor? I know for some, and I, and, and I could probably even point you out, uh, sometimes sports, will distract us from giving God our best. And uh, and I can certainly relate to that because I, I love to play sports. Yesterday night, I was uh, working uh, on the message, putting some details, and I was sitting right at the, at the Ferrisburg um, uh, City little park there right by the, where the bridge goes up. And I watched all these boats go by as I was, uh, as I was pre- uh, preparing and praying. And, and sometimes things, uh, boats and cars and houses, homes, uh, things like that can be a distraction. And, uh, and, it can be, and it can be good, but it can also be bad. And then I thought about technology and uh, electronics and and just different areas. Um, These and many more things can be worshipped if we are not careful. They can become idols in our life. And and there's kind of this slippery slope that, that, okay, these things are okay. There's nothing wrong with them inherently. But if they become uh, a priority and take a higher priority than God, there's a slippery slope that all of a sudden those things for you or for me individually, it becomes sin. In fact, when anything receives a higher priority than God, we might as well fall into a pit, wouldn't you say? You you might as well just walk off a cliff because you know if you're giving God everything, you're okay. But the moment something else takes priority, I don't know about you, but that's when my life starts to get confusing, when things start to spin out of control. And you know, the funny truth is, Jason Betts was with me this week, and we were studying, and, and we were doing some studying on worship. And Jason, you were talking about priorities, the fact that we have a choice, each of us have a choice. And I appreciated that, that you brought that out, that, that we, each of us, have a choice to make God a priority. We can't make a priority for anyone else either, not even for our spouse or for our kids. It's an individual thing, each person here, has to do that. See, our lives are not intended to be about us. Our worship is not intended to be about us. When we talk about worship, it's not about the music or what happens here on the stage. I, I, and I know you guys realize that. It's not about becoming contemporary or about this cultural awareness that there's this worship movement that we are experiencing as a culture. Worship is not about being cool or hip or or with it as a church, and it's not about some misty-eyed intimacy with God. Worship is so much more than that. What worship is, it's about us and our hearts actually being transformed, learning to be a disciple of Christ, being shaped for God's glory, living in the presence of God. See, the presence of God, we felt that here this morning. And, uh, and uh, I had a couple people during the greet time say, man, I could feel God here and what God was doing. And, uh, and it's so exciting that, that, yes, God inhabits the praise of his people. But living in his presence does not stop here. We can take it with us. In a lifestyle of worship, it's not some weird cultish way to live. It's about recognizing God's place in our lives each and every day, each and every moment of the day. Giving God priority in our lives. Worship is so important. And when we learn to properly worship with our lives, it affects our outcomes. It affects the results. It affects our future. Because of our worship, it'll determine uh, the, the outcomes the things that we would hold dear, saying, boy, I want God to do this in my life. You watch someone's life, their lifestyle of worship, and you'll see where they're headed. I want you to turn with me to a couple verses. I've got several here we're going to flip through quick. I want to start again in Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus, we talked about it last week, was asked, what is the greatest command? Meant and uh, in the law, and Jesus replied, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and the reply was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And where does that come from? I want you to turn with me to Exodus because it started at the very beginning with the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter twenty, verse three says, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse four says, and you can flip there and catch up with me, uh, Exodus 20, says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of for their sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commands. In the Ten Commandments, God created this rule for us to worship Him, to have no other God before Him, to have nothing in our life that would take priority. And then we should not make any idol that would get in the way and we should not worship anything but our Creator. And then I want you to flip back to Matthew. I know we're kind of going back and forth. In the Beatitudes, um, in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is, really, it's his first discourse. He's up on a mountain talking to people. And, uh, and what I want you to catch here is, is God's heart for us. He wants us to love him and to desire him. And listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's God. It's what God has. It's, It's what's right. Keeping Him as a priority. And it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And worship is all about desiring God hungering and thirsting. And then there's a promise. It says when we do hunger, when we do thirst, it says we will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. My heart for us is that that we would be filled as we hunger, as we thirst for all that God has for us. Now let me ask you a question. Who in scripture modeled worship perhaps better than anyone else? Who had a heart after God who is concerned with pleasing God with his life? Who understood the fact that he could not escape God's presence? Who in, the, in Scripture talks about having a proper fear of the Lord? And who, maybe perhaps better than anyone else, practiced the presence of God? Who would you think of if you were thinking about a lifestyle of worship? What character in the Bible would, would come to mind? And there may be several, but just just yell out a couple. Jesus, I heard David. Well, I was thinking David. So whoever said that, good job. <laughs> David, when I think about David's life and who he was. Last week we read some some scriptures. Psalm 31 or 34.1 says, I this is David saying, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. Psalm 718 said, I am always praising you all day long. I will honor you, O Lord. Psalm 113.3, the Lord's name should be praised from where the sun rises to where it sets. And in uh, Psalm 145, verse 2, we read this last week, He says, I will praise you every day. That was part of David's heart. I want to look at a couple others and flip there with me, if you would. Psalm chapter 63. Psalm 63, we see uh, David's heart again in a nonstop worship in a desiring, a hungering, and thirsting. Psalm 63, verse 1 says this. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I want you just to imagine David in a situation spiritually where he was dry and where there was, he was living in a weary land. And he says, man, I hunger, I thirst for you, my body longs for you. And just consider, man, what is your life like? Do you hunger and thirst for God with everything within you? Psalm 55, verse 17, if you flip a couple uh, chapters before that, talking about non-step worship, verse 17 Actually, let's start in 16. It says, but, This is David. It says, But I call to the Lord. The Lord saves me. Evening, morning, noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. All day long, nonstop. Verse 22, I want you, for those of you that are struggling in any area, not really pertaining to worship here, but listen what it says. It says, Cast your care on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Barb, I read that for you this morning. Underline it, put that, write it out, put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you wherever you are. I believe that. But David's life was incredible. When you study the life of David, if you read all that was about David, it took it took me this week quite a bit to, I read lots and lots on David in first and second Samuel and, and in first Kings, David was a shepherd. David was out minding his own business in the field. And in first um, in first Samuel chapter thirteen, Samuel the prophet is talking with uh, um, with Saul, King Saul. And at this point, got a cricket here. Got it. <laughs> that cricket was going to praise the Lord but I just eliminated that opportunity. <laughs> so anyway, Samuel is coming to Saul, and Saul has already turned bad. He's turned wicked. And Saul and, and, and Samuel's saying, look, you know, as, the, as the high priest, as the, as the priest here, he's, he's giving him a rebuke. And then he says in verse 14, he kind of comes at this, he says, but the Lord has sought out a man, talking about David here, so Saul had lost it, but he says, But the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and has appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. See, David, even in the early ages of, uh, of his growing up, he served God. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you flip over to chapter 16, you can read about Samuel uh, looking... For David. And he went through all of Jesse's sons and he said, no, 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 no. Isn't there one more? And and, and, uh, Jesse finally says, there is still the youngest, but he is out tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so when he sent, he, brought, he was brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and a handsome feature. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. In verse 13 says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. He was called, he was anointed by God, and there was something that changed inside of David. Now, you've got to realize that from that point until he became king, there was a huge waiting period. In fact, we'll see that in just a second. But first, he goes from that point of being anointed, and uh, he, he's tending the sheep, he's ripping lions' heads off, and, and uh, takes care of the bear. He comes to First Samuel 17, and we, he is uh, commissioned by Saul. He's put into Saul's service. And he's saying, look, this Goliath character, this giant, I can reach eight feet tall. And, they, and I understand that Goliath was ten or nine or 10 feet tall. So this huge guy was calling out against the, the, um, uh, the children of Israel. And, and David says, hey, we can take him. I took care of the lion. I took care of the bear. And in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, look at verse 34. David said to, to Saul, Your servant has been keeping your father's sheep. When the lion or the bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. I love reading that with my son Logan. It just riles him up, and he gets all crazy. And uh, it says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. And it says that the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Verse 40 says, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. After Saul said, okay, crazy kid. And he he took them and he went out, put them in his pouch, with a sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine, full of courage. And of course, you know the story, he took him out with one stone. But I want you to know that it was 30, he wasn't until he was 30 years old, many, many years after he had been anointed, after there was a, a, a setting apart, before he became king. Thirty years old. Second Samuel chapter five, we see that. Second Samuel chapter five, verse seven says David was thirty years old when he became king, and he reigned then for forty years. First King fifteen five says that David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But how many know, if you ever studied David, if you learned the stories in, in uh, kids' church or in Sunday school. David, even though he had a heart after God, and there was a lot we could admire about David, David was not perfect, was he? David, he slipped in 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and his eyes caught him, uh, and he ended up uh, having an affair, basically, and then killing a man because of that, to hide it. And Nathan, another prophet, came and and confronted him. And what's interesting is that in that moment, David had really a choice. David could have denied it or just, you know, blown it off. After all, he was king. But instead, David humbled himself. And if you turn to uh, Psalm chapter 51, one of my favorite psalms um, that I, I love to read Psalm 51, we won't take the time to read the whole thing, but in Psalm 51, is his confession after Nathan, the prophet, came and said, hey, you're the man that has done all these evil things. But if you read, it says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And what I want you to see is that David, as a heart, having a heart of worship, when he did sin, he wasn't prideful, and he, wasn't, um, he didn't try to hide it at that point when he was confronted. He humbled himself, and God continued to use him after that. See, David modeled a life of worship. He honored God with his life. But just like David, there are pitfalls, things that can slip up in our lives or show up if we're not careful. Because Satan is equally attacking each of us as he attacked David and gave David that opportunity to fall. One of the things, one of the pitfalls, it can be just us, our selfishness. In fact, I read this week, it says, The trouble with a self made man is that he worships his creator. Isn't that interesting? And it speaks to some humanism there. But ourselves, we can let ourselves get in the way of our worship. We can let our family get in the way of our worship, either by the influence or the non-biblical structure or respect issues, control issues, or we can allow our family past, hold us back from what God would have us. How about pitfalls like possessions, homes, cars, clothes, different conveniences, these things can become idols in a hurry, in a heartbeat, if we're not careful. Power and money certainly can become pitfalls. Our occupation can be, and even recreation, athletics, and hobbies, if we're not careful. And just like David, we can slip and we can fall. And when I say we, I mean we, all of us. None of us are exempt from that. None of us uh, can be guarded unless we are daily guarding our own hearts. But like David, we need to welcome God into our days, to have a relationship with Him, not a religion. We're not talking about uh, just following, going through the motions. We're talking about having a relationship. And I wonder, in your heart, in your rooms of your life, of your heart, is there room for God uh, in your life, in your heart? Is there room for God in your home? or at school? Is there room for God in your relationships? Is there room for God on the team? Is there room for God in all the areas of your life? And if you're questioning whether that's a reality, or there may be areas that you allow God in, but other areas where you'd keep them out, I want you to consider this little story, this little reading by Malcolm Smith, it's a, it's a radio, or it's a tape series called How to Rise Above Burnout. But it talks about the difference between religion and relationships. And I think it's really interesting. This is Malcolm Smith. Uh, he's a British teacher. And, uh, and he says this, talking about religion versus relationships. He says, you understand why religion was invented, don't you? It's kind of in a conversational um, reading. He says, it was to keep God at a safe distance. He says, I used to believe that all religions of the world were men reaching out for God. He says, it isn't. All the religions of the world are there to keep God at a safe distance. You see, man knows there is a God, but he's scared spitless of him. So so he's got to keep him away. He's talking about religion here. So I know what we'll do. We'll build a house of God, a temple, and we'll put him in there. So we'll have a house of God. That's got him off of my back. If he's in his house, he's not in mine. We'll give him a certain day. That's it. We'll give him one day. That gives me six. I'll give him time. We'll have hours of prayer. That means we won't have to pray all the time. That'll get him off our back. Fifteen minutes. You've got that that way we've got the other twenty three and three quarters, right? keep him at a distance. See, I know he's there, but keep him at a distance. I tell you what we'll do, we'll employ people full-time to talk to him. Then I don't have to, you see. Religion, all religion is like that. I'm not joking. Religion keeps God at arm's length from man. And now religion is uneasy. Why? Because the God they're supposed to represent has really turned up among them. (laughs) And they're very upset. God has escaped, he says. He's got out of the house and he's walking among them. And he doesn't fit all what they thought he was like. I read that because, although it's kind of silly to think that we would put God in a box like that or we would create a house and... But how many times do our actions speak to just that thing? That we would allow God in certain areas, but in other areas, in all the areas of our life, we put up barriers and restrictions. Remember, guys, if anything becomes a priority over God, we're going to fall. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Deuteronomy, it's one of my favorite things when I was a kid's pastor to read. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What he's talking about here is a lifestyle of honoring God. He says, Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. I just read that. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. You cannot take it too seriously. Honoring God with your life, having Him as a priority, is of utmost importance. So how about you? Today, what kind of results, what kind of outcomes are you getting in your life? Maybe on the outside it looks like things are okay. You got a nice facade, but on the inside that you're weak and you're shallow on the inside. Maybe your life is just in one hard situation after the next. Maybe there's pain in your life. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's relationships that are at their wits' end. Maybe work is out of control. Do you believe that your worship, your lifestyle of worship will determine your outcome in life? Do you believe that in your marriage, husbands and wives, that your lifestyle of honoring God first in your marriage, that that would make a difference? Do you believe as you raise your kids that your lifestyle of worship Will impact your kids. It'll impact at work or at school, every relationship. And I'm not saying that this is easy to honor God in all the areas of our lives. But is God getting the priority in your life? Or are idols, sin, creeping in, taking priority? Are there distractions keeping you from living a lifestyle of worship? Are you hungry like David was? Hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Is God getting the priority in your life seriously? At the beginning of church, if you're here before we started worship, there was a song. It's called Life Song by Casting Crowns. We'd played it during the greeting time. And we'll play it at the end of the service here in just a few moments. But it speaks to our life being a song, that if, if they were to put words and music to your song or to your life, what would it sing? What would it look like? What would it sound like? It's a challenging thought about living your life to honor God. You say, well, Pastor Ben, why is this so important? Is it really that important? And I would say it's absolutely important for three critical reasons. The first thing goes back to the who and the why of worship. It's our connection with God, connecting with God. Because God deserves our worship. He created us. But not only does He deserve it, He desires it from each of us. And so it's critical that we would learn to honor God with our lives. The second piece kind of goes to that last part, connecting with the world. I think it's very important because we are being watched. Each and every one of you are being watched. People notice everything, our thoughts, our actions, our words, the things we say, the things we do, how we treat our kids, how we treat our wife. People are watching how we treat our enemies. How many know the way you treat your enemies uh, is, is important? how we spend our money, and the list could go on. See, a lifestyle of worship will be our best evangelistic tool, our example, our lives as believers, doing the best we can, living for God, honoring God in all areas. That is contagious. That is evangelism at its best. If you want to reach your neighbors, live a lifestyle of worship. If you want to reach your kids that are unsaved, live a lifestyle of worship. If you want to reach your parents, I promise you, as they see consistency in your life, they will notice the lifestyle of worship that is being created. And so that connecting with the world is huge. So not only connecting with God, connecting with the world, but I believe as we worship together, as our heart is to worship together as a body of believer, Together, that one we can acknowledge God day by day, but I believe as we grow close to God, it allows us to grow closer to each other, and I believe that's God's heart as well to love our neighbor as ourselves, to grow together in relationship among even us here. Many times, when young people are dating, uh. I've often encouraged, uh, because I was encouraged this way, when I, well, let me just say, when I first met Jessica, I was head over heels, but my youth pastor said, you know, keep God first. And as you grow with God, if it's God's will, your relationship with Jessica will continue to grow. And as we, as a body of believers, continue to grow in the Lord, keeping that first priority, our relationships with other believers will grow and we'll challenge each other and we'll stretch each other. And I believe that's God's heart. And God wants that for us to live, each and every one of us, to be living a lifestyle of worship. Do you believe that? Is it easy? Is it worth it? Absolutely. This morning, I want you to turn back with me to Psalm 13. 51. And I want you to consider your life this morning and where you are in your life walk with the Lord. And this morning, you may be here in a situation where you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And today, I want to say, is your day of salvation. That God, is, he is wooing you, he's calling you, wanting to have that relationship. And in just a moment, we'll give you an opportunity to respond. But perhaps more of us may be in the situation that David was in, kind of heaped in your sin, caught in the act of adultery, caught in murder. And my question is, is how are you going to respond when you're caught or when you realize, man, I'm living wrong, i gotta, I got to change. No one here may know what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, but God does. And God wants every part of you. And If there are areas in your life that are keeping you from serving God completely, listen to David's words. Psalm 51 it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right. When you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the innermost parts. Verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast from me, or cast me from your presence, or take your holy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You can read the next uh, five or six or seven verses there on your own. But this morning, if you are here and there is sin there's idols, pitfalls, if there are barriers that have kept you from giving God everything in your life, I want to challenge you this morning to give it open, or give it to the Lord to open those areas and let God do a work in your life and come before the Lord like David did, humbly, In confession, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed this morning, this morning I want to pray for those that would find themselves where David was at that moment in his life. You may be at at a similar moment wanting to serve God, wanting to love God, But there's idols, there's sin, there's temptation, there's other things, relationships that are not godly. And like David, if you're here and you say, Lord, renew a right spirit in me this morning. If that's your heart, I'm not going to call you. We're not even going to have you come forward this morning, but just as a sign saying, God, help me. Renew a right spirit in me. I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. Yeah. Amen. Who else? Sure. Several individuals right off the bat. Who else would be honest and say, Today, I need your Holy Spirit, your presence, to touch me. Lord, I pray for those that slipped up their hand, probably five or six or seven right off the bat. God touch them, help them to be humble before you as they rededicate, come back to you, giving you every area in Jesus' name. If I could have your eyes for just one more second, as we consider our lives and where we are, where you are at this moment, would you commit to a lifestyle that honors God, keeping Jesus number one? in your life. Last week, we talked about noticing distractions. And throughout the week, um, some of you, hopefully, uh, were noticing distractions that would keep you from worshiping God. This week, as we would leave, I want you to commit to avoiding the pitfalls, the things, the idols in our lives that would keep us from giving God everything. And as we come next week to worship the Lord together. I believe if we've done that together, committing our ways to the Lord, committing to a lifestyle of worship, I believe that there is going to be an anticipation in worship that's going to be powerful. And I'm excited for that. We're going to talk about the sacrifice of worship and we're going to take communion. And and I, I, I just want to encourage you to to tell someone, to bring someone, because I believe God is going to touch us next week. But before we leave this morning... I want us to listen to this song. And I wish we uh, would have uh, had some forethought, Amy, to have you do an interpretive dance. That would be cool. But, but listen to the words of the song. And really, at any time, after I say amen, you can turn on the CD. Um, and uh, at any time, you can be dismissed. And, and have a great week. And, uh, but, uh, but I just want you to be thinking, being mindful, that your life, people are watching People are wondering, how are you going to react in this situation or that? Let me pray. Lord, thanks for all that you do. Lord, you are a good God. Lord, we honor you today. We worship you with our lives. And God, we want to take our worship beyond this moment, and we want to take it outside of these walls, and we want to create our lives to be a lifestyle of worship to you. God, I pray that that would be a reality in each of our hearts, in each of our lives. And God will give you all the praise and all the glory, in Jesus' name, amen.